Hello everyone, welcome to episode 18 of the iSphere. Um, I'm I for Scotland. I'm Joy. And today we have a, quite an interesting topic to talk about. Basically, Joy's made me watch something garbage against my will, and we're now going to actually discuss it. But um, it's the new Watcher series on Netflix. Um, so we're probably going to start with like a recap of what the story is actually based on, because um, it is one of those based on a true story mm-hmm. things. Um, and then we'll probably talk about how Netflix has taken the story and, um, uh, yeah, just shat it into space. I, I don't I, like. It, it genuinely feels like they tried to make it into American Horror Story meets the Amityville Horror House. Yeah. And they didn't know what to do with it. And it, then it became a game of Clue. And then I, it felt like I watched about five different shows in one show and yeah. not in a good way. <laughs> yeah like so. pacing was like dire and like there's just a lot of key things that the series kind of misses and i think we're going to be talking about that and obviously i mean this is a true crime this is something that did happen to a family um mm-hmm. not so much the netflix show but you know it is based on something that did happen um and then of course we're going to kind of maybe bring that out into a wider conversation about how like Netflix does its thing and like true crime and the kind of uh, what yeah, I would describe is a lot of money on exploiting the victims of crime, which I yeah. am not particularly a fan of. Um, no shade to anyone that does. I, I mean, I, st- I still do enjoy things like um, the, like the we're talking about BuzzFeed Unsolved. I still do enjoy those things, but I also feel like there's some distance for some of the cases that are involved, whereas the the things that Netflix have done recently, like the Dahmer tapes and everything yeah. else, um, it's recent and there are families objecting to it, which makes me uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Um, and I then mean, there's also a... the, the NBC one that I was telling you about, which was the um, something about Pam, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and that that one's uncomfortable, especially because the daughters are now on TikTok begging people not to watch it. So it's, yeah. yeah. It, it's, we're we're going to get a little bit into it. Yeah. We're going to get a little bit into it. Um, and I suppose to kind of start, I think the, the most recent Watcher letter, we'll, we'll give an overview of it, but this is as recent <laughs> as like 2018, 2017, 2018. There um, was one in 2019 was the final. Right, um, okay. So it's final, like, it's recent to the point that, you know, it's 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 fairly fresh. Um, so, Joy, do you maybe want to start by giving a brief overview of the the actual case that yeah, happened. So the there was this family who um moved into a lovely home. Um and I'm actually gonna pull up because I can't really I'm now blanking on the details because of course I am. Um but it was this family that moved into a house in New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Um we don't need to go into details on the family or anything like that. To be honest, yeah, I actually yeah, prefer yeah. that we don't. But, like, family move into a house in New Jersey and they receive a letter in their letterbox. Mm -hmm. It is, of course, one of those letterboxes that you only kind of see in America where it's, like, the one with the wee flag and it's, like, at the end of the drive. Um, It's not, like, through the letterbox in the front door, which is probably more common here. Um, But they receive a letter 
from someone who terms themselves the watcher yeah and they call themselves the watcher and it's a very kind of creepy and very chilling uh, letter that oh i love your house i mean it could be it could have been just i love your house i love watching it and admiring the architecture which we'll get into because that is also where this tradition started um and but it's really creepy and it refers to the children as things like young blood do they know yeah. what's in the basement? Do you know the secrets of the walls? I would be too scared to let them play in the basement. Like, it, it's very creepy. It's very stalkery. Yeah. It's not nice. If you got that when you were moving in and someone started threatening your three children, I would move out. Yeah. <laughs> I would immediately sell and just be gone if I could. Um, unfortunately, that the family involved were not able to do that. Um, and there is some conflicting stories about why that happened. Um, there's some conspiracy theories about how it was all oh, the people of the town made it so that they couldn't sell because they didn't like them um yeah. but it's a weird it's a weird one it, yeah it's a weird one so they, they receive they receive several letters and like the the family at the time went to the police the police said you know don't share the details of the letters or tell anyone about the letters don't tell your neighbors like technically everyone could be suspect um I said suspect, really weird there. Suspect. Mm -hmm. They could be suspects. There we go. Um, but, like, over the course of, like, the actual true case, they had several suspects in the community, and it never really turned up with anything. Everyone was kind of ruled out. Um, mm -hmm. There was one person who there's a kind of tie-in with the show. Um, one of the suspects was someone who was a gamer, um, which is a thing that is like, in, in yeah. the Netflix series. Um, but for the real life thing, someone said that someone was playing a game it where they play a girlfriend was like, oh, he's been playing a violent video game, a violent and video was... game where he plays a character called the Watcher. That it is the Witcher. It's, it's got to be the Witcher. There's like, <laughs> there's no way. Um, but yeah, so creepy letters is basically the premise of the story. Um, the family have since left the house. Um, the uh, they were basically they it, approached... They sold it a significant loss. Yeah, they sold it a significant yeah. loss. They've been approached... Um, when the story went viral, they were approached by several people saying, oh, we want rights to the like your your story. Can we make a film? Can we do a TV series? Can we do whatever it is? And uh, they've, they basically said no. They've never done an interview until Netflix, for whatever reason, have managed to give them enough money to acquire the rights to the story. Mm -hmm. And that is basically what the series is all about and to be honest i don't really want to dwell on what actually happened to the family um you know it's it's in their past now they've obviously sold the rights to the story it was a big viral thing and kind of one of those like spookiness kind of cases um that has obviously quite a lot of people hooked and netflix have decided to make a garbage tv show about it um and that garbage was shared to me by joy so Joy, why did you decide to watch The Watcher? Um, honestly, because I'd watched the BuzzFeed Unsolved and I knew about it. Um, mm. And I was like, oh, I wonder how Netflix will handle this. And I'm I'm one of those people that if it's if it looks like it's going to be dramatised and it's more fictional, I will you know, kind of look at it as long as there's been no major, like, murders or, like, yeah, like, it, the Netflix thing, I was watching it just because it was also trending on Netflix. And I was like, I need something to, to watch and to look at. And we'd already we'd also talked about doing like, you know, um 
I mean, I've talked about before the exploitative nature of reality TV and mm. how it, you know, the, the borders on like a lot of them are kind of like the does it is it actually child abuse when you take your children to these reality TV things? Yeah, um, and it's that kind of curiousness that I came to regret about <laughs> fifty minutes in. I was like, oh, this is awful, but I also can't bring myself to stop because I want to see how they handle this train wreck. Um, it was different enough from the real story that I was like, oh, I wonder how they're going to do this. And the answer mm. was badly. Um, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I'm yeah. trying, to, trying to pull myself out of it before, like, going in. I, w- I was actually wondering if, based on a true story, is actually more of a legal disclaimer than anything else. Like, because see if they'd, yeah. see if they'd actually made the series. I mean, it's still an atrocious series, but see if they'd just invented it right see if it see if it wasn't explicit about a certain case like i think it might have been almost passable um yeah it would have just been another mediocre drama yeah it would have been another kind of american horror story-ish type thing you know um but yeah i think going into it with like i watched i watched the buzzfeed video on it before i watched the tv series so it was I'm wondering if my attitude would have been different having watched the series first but going into it and knowing exactly how the police handled it how the neighbours mm-hmm. handled it you know someone was saying earlier in chat you know threatening letters are never good but like at the end of the day compared to what happens in the Netflix fucking drama yeah. uh, like it's that that is just the mystery the mystery of who's sending these letters um so i suppose the the tv drama starts with them moving into the house and i suppose it's worth clarifying that um in the real story the true story um the family never actually moved into the house at all they were in the middle Mm -hmm. of they were in the middle of renovating it prior to like when they started receiving the letters and because of the letters they never moved in um but of course, the Netflix series starts with them all moving into the house, um, mm-hmm. and and the, stubbornly staying there while someone's threatening your children. Yeah, which it, there's a lot of problems I have with it. Um, so there's the, the characterization of the parents, um, the fact that the children <laughs> vanish for several episodes and they don't get mentioned. Yeah, um, the, there's yeah. So the, for those, it's it's four. It's a four person family. Um, you're kind of nuclear family um mm-hmm. older sister younger brother mum and dad um very so like the the series starts with like the the husband basically cashing out all of their savings all of their like their IRA, stocks and their bonds pension. their ira their pension all to afford this house that they buy for like three million or something and um i it's hard to really give like a play-by-play of this. I don't like. We don't think we need to go into like a chronicle chronological order. But like one of the things that really irked me is that like in the in the Netflix show, every single neighbor is like the most like. It's like they were like we need we need to make every single neighbor a really colorful character, and they all have to be really really suspicious. Um, which I hated immediately because it's like. None of the neighbors were really like that. 
Um, it would have been way creepier if the neighbours were just normal and this was being shown. Whereas yeah. what we got were caricatures who you were immediately told, oh, these people are nuts, don't trust them. And it's like, sure, having a bad neighbour can, I mean, speaking from experience, having bad neighbours can be a terrible experience. But yeah. if you're on the day you're moving in, there's just people watching you with binoculars and then there's other people just wandering in and out of your house. Like that, It, it was such an over-the-top caricature of bothersome neighbours yeah. and then it just went wildly in the direction of all of these people are suspects except there was no for a s- supposed suspense story there was no suspense it was yeah. just an immediate <laughs> here are all the bad people <laughs> here's the bad people yeah also here is this here's this unexplained plot twist here's that person that you never find out who they are like it's yeah it's um like <laughs> it's yeah. waffle fraud said the most realistic thing about the show is the house market Um, i mean that it's interesting like you've got these you've got this family that are interacting with like new neighbors and and things like that they've got the realtor that sold them the house which she kind of becomes pally with the mum um because they're like old school friends the mum is like used to live around the corner um that kind of thing as in she she knows the area very well and the mum's kind of moving back to the suburbs um and she's meeting people who she used to go to school with um there's like there's there's be there's two main neighbors groups so there's there's a woman who lives with her brother i think mm-hmm. and there's supposed to be schizophrenic whatever or something else yeah i think he's um, he's supposed to have like He's supposed to have some sort of PTSD that kind of froze his um, development, mm-hmm. and so he's so he, he you know he behaves like a child. And one of the first kind of spooky scenes is this grown man effectively hiding in the dumbwaiter inside the house. So there's like a lot made about the dumbwaiter. The sister that he lives with and kind of is a carer for him is very obsessed Faro, by the way <laughs> yeah no i didn't know that until the end i was like oh um but she's she's like very interested in the house's architecture it says oh it's very historic and the dumbwaiter is like so important and and all the rest of it uh, and the it didn't exist yeah yeah it's, it's like utter like fabricated shit for like spooky factor but i i don't i don't buy I don't buy it. And then of course there's another there's there's a husband and wife who are just strange, you know? They're yeah, like, like they're, what was the name of Mo? Was it Mo and something? Mo else? it was two M's. It was Mo was the woman and I, I don't remember the guy's name, but he's he's played by that guy who's in Scrubs, who's always um concerned that he's got uh, an illness or an affliction of some yeah. kind. I don't, I don't remember the guy's name, but he's, he's not a bad actor. Um, but yeah, one of the things for me is like, I hated how everyone in the village was like, just not larger than life, but they were all, they were all weird. They were all like completely suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the show didn't want to have, to be honest, I thought it would have been better as like a hot fuzz type thing. Like, it almost would have been, yeah. Like they should, like they should have just hot fuzzed it, and it was like they were all they were either all in on it or like everyone was extremely friendly or just normal. <laughs> um, but instead, they have to have all the kind of you know colorful it, casts. It almost felt like 
and I don't know how true this is because the family maintains that they have nothing to do with the Netflix series, it almost feels like the family taking a swipe at the community that wouldn't let them sell their house. Um, so for those unaware, hmm. the family um, tried to sell their house to an LLC when they were trying to move. This LLC offered them a lot of money. They were going to turn it into, a, they were going to knock it down and turn it into um, a duplex. And the local community said, no, this will affect our housing value. We don't want this. Uh, you can't do that, which meant the family stayed trapped in the mortgage um, yeah. whilst they couldn't live there. So fair dues, if you, I would be annoyed about that too. Um, but it almost felt like it was a swipe being taken at the locals and saying, well, look, they're all crazy. They're all, yeah. you know, they're all it, it, you I, know, for me, it felt like a kind of like, let's demonize everybody in the community. Like they yeah. literally are talking about them as if like, oh yeah, there's a whole cult, there's a satanic cult that uses tunnels under the house to steal children. Like that was a literal plot line at one point. Yeah, and I mean, it, I, it I, weird. I, I don't think the, I don't think the family had much input beyond don't actually make it our family, because yeah. the, the family had three children and the, the one in the show only has two, um, and apparently they also said, "Can you please burn the house down at the end of the Netflix show?" Yeah, um, which I suppose is also kind of like passively um, catharsis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the like the whole is. It is atrocious from start to end. So, like, they they receive the letter in the show. The letter is different from the letter that the family have received. Um, Because I think, you know, they changed the wording and they edited it and they, you know, they made it... They tried to make it more scary. Um, A couple of things happen, like, at the start that are really, like, out there. For some reason, the son has a ferret as a pet and... The, like this this is like the cheapest fucking shock value ever but guess what the pet dies um and the pet's found in the middle of like the corridor um dead and the mm-hmm. the the police in the town are completely useless um you know the they say oh well the ferret might have just ran into a wall quickly or like you know it's it's that kind of it's the kind of show where nobody's competent at all. Trigger warning for anyone involved. The ferret dies in the first episode, mm-hmm. and then in the very last episode, a dog is killed purely for shock. You know, that, the, purely for, you know, well, that annoyed me a lot. We'll, co- we'll come on to that one at the end, but the, there's a, yeah, the dog, a dog dies at the end, and it is the absolute, like, cheapest, like, last attempt at a scare. It is. Yeah, the animals exist to be abused in this show, and it's not fun. Yeah, it's um, it's not good. Um, there's there's a couple of weird subplots that don't really go anywhere. Um, so as we kind of said, like, so the 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 dad has cashed in like all of the family's savings in this show, um, and he works as at some sort of whether it's a hedge fund or whatever it is. He's trying to become partner, and he's he he you know. He's he's in that kind of bracket. He's like is he he gets by okay, but he doesn't uh, he doesn't earn shitload. Well, he has enough to buy a three point three million house. So fucking mm-hmm. take what you want. Uh, but the it's implied that he's not good with money, and he caused them to go bankrupt before. Yeah. Um. So it's a very kind of he's a very high up managerial type person, but it's implied that he's very bad with money, and the family's been struggling. The wife has her own art which is another subplot that goes nowhere yeah um, and she's trying to make a living from her art 
Um, and it's this whole thing that she's, <laughs> you know, um, a, an artist who makes uh, the beigest vases you've ever seen in your life, and apparently they sell for thousands. Um, which fair enough, but th- it's another. It was another plot line that just went nowhere for me. It was like, why is this in here? Yeah, um, and well, I mean, the yeah. the plot doesn't go fucking anywhere. It, like it, it exists to be. Like, I can kind of see what they're trying to do with it, but basically the, that whole art plot exists as a reason that the mum could live independently. And there's, like, a lot of focus on their marriage and whether they'll remain together. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, well, again, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. But one of, the, one of the kind of earliest things that happens is they get the letter, the family naturally gets spooked, um, the police are driving past their house every two hours or hour or whatever, um, but that's not enough. The letters are still getting delivered. Upon mm-hmm. the second or third letter, the dad then spends more money and pays this kind of young uh, African-American guy uh, seven grand to basically secure the house. So cameras up, sensors on the windows, alarm system put in, uh, and the 19-year-old ends up a flirting with the 16 year old daughter um which is already mm, a, yeah it's it's uncomfortable but it's as the as the show points out it is legal in their state um yeah but it's a whole it plays into the dad suddenly being very misogynistic towards the daughter like there's a thing where she puts you know it's I, yeah. the thing with the lipstick she finds a lipstick in the vanity of her new bedroom and she puts it on like, why would you put on a used lipstick you find in the house you've just moved into? That's how you get herpes. That's not good. Like, that's not a good way to do that. Yeah. Um, and I, the dad turns into a whole, no, you're too old for makeup. Is that eyeliner? Wash that. And he just yeah. he goes very kind of like she's um, uber but, alpha protective male. Like, this is my yeah. daughter and you will do as you're told. And apparently he's not like that before they move into the house. And yeah. it's implied that the house is making him this uber conservative religious man in the house is driving him insane a la you know american horror stories and the amityville horror um, yep. series and it's it's a weird take because the house itself is not possessed but there's yeah. these weird little things where it's implied that the house is doing these things it's going that you can tell that the dude that wrote this wrote american horror story because he's obsessed with the house as an entity yeah even though that's not what this is actually is and even um, like even though you've got the letters essentially turning the house into an entity it never comes across as particularly strong and what you find is that the letters completely fall away throughout the yeah. throughout the series as well um like the the dad i was getting really fucking annoyed with the dad because it was like the most like they were at the dinner table and i think like the the daughter was wearing like a top that just had like our shoulders revealed and it was literally like that and he was like i can see your bra strap that's that's disgusting that's you know he just goes off on one and moved to the suburbs to avoid this because you know bra straps (laughs) don't exist in the suburbs yeah and like the the thing that really annoyed me about that plot is that like it also just existed to cause like further drama in the family because like while the dad is behaving like a total dick to his daughter the the daughter then ends up fucking almost having the guy like kill himself like i think that like you know it would be close to that so 
he, he basically finds out that the 19 year old boy has been uh, sending nudie pictures to his daughter and his daughter in return has been sending kind of nudie pictures back and he goes he goes absolutely nuts right as you would kind of do anyway if you heard that your you know your daughter was sending nude pictures you'd obviously want to like you'd be you're angry you would also daughter. be like you're a 16 yeah. year old and you can't be sending that to fucking anyone um because I mean, the moment it goes yeah because the show makes a good a point of this it's, it's a romeo and juliet law case where although she is technically not of age he's within the age range where it's acceptable for them to be together yeah what she cannot do is send pictures because that is child pornography exactly um and that's never brought up. It, it's yeah. purely about the relationship between the. I mean, I hesitate to call him. You know, he's a teenager still. You know, he's yeah. nineteen is a teenager, um, and he does even say like when when she starts coming on to him, it's a very much. He's like, oh, I could get in trouble for this, and she's like, oh, isn't that part of the thrill? And it's like, if you are old enough to know that you can get in trouble for something, you're old enough to mm. shut it down. Yeah, but, and um, I also found like weird. when. When the like the police come at the fact, so the dad the dad challenges the boy, um, because he's obviously found the photos on um mm-hmm. his daughter's phone. So challenges the boy, and the police have already been called, um, because I think the daughter calls the police on the dad. Yeah, um, because he's outside shouting at the boy. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny that um the dad never makes the point that he possesses the pictures of his daughter. Like he never yeah. makes he never makes the point that the boy like has pictures of his sixteen year old daughter on his phone. He's saying, Look what this nineteen year old's been sending my daughter and is like showing showing the pictures to the neighbours that are like starting to swamp in. Um another thing I thought was a uh, like <laughs> kinda kinda sickly um unrealistic was the the police believe the boy. Uh the yeah. the the 19-year-old African American boy. It was like Mm, like it, it doesn't seem like that would be the case in real life no. um uh, so that was all that was another one but basically all this transpires and to get back at the dad the daughter steals the brother's ipad and makes a tiktok video saying that which goes viral which which goes massively viral to the point where he gets questioned at work about it and and all the rest of it um she she says that the dad's a massive racist and is keeping the two of them apart because he's African American, and a you know that that impacts pretty much everything in the family. Like, I think it impacts the, the you know the the membership at the country club. It impacts yeah. his job. Like t- to be honest, if if you got if you went viral like that and you know it was one of your kids making that video about you, you know your life would be over, um, and. Obviously, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it is life ruining and it... I mean, the the dad (laughs) could have been fired so many times because there's also the the incident later on with it looks as if the videos... So the young man who suspects the father of being the watcher, okay? So, yeah, the the African-American boy. yeah, Yeah, he puts a camera in the parent's bedroom to catch him in the act supposedly what he actually catches is who appears to be a young underage girl creeping into the father's room whilst he's asleep and getting naked and climbing into bed with him he does nothing with this information until the father you know confronts him about his daughter and everything else 
and gets the police involved. And then instead of sending it to the police, uh, the young African-American guy sends it to the, 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 the dad's the, work. The work. It's sent to the boss, basically, and yeah. the boss watches it. And how the dad is not fired then and there for the personal drama getting leaked to the CEO of the company, I don't know. Yeah. But it nothing comes of it. Like the boss, yeah. even, the boss doesn't even go to the police like, yo, I think my employee is a pedophile. Like, none of this happens. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's concrete evidence. Nothing happens. And then and then, yeah. then, there's like a really bad like reconciliation on this as well. So it, it transpires that um, the the young guy um, couldn't, couldn't understand why the dad reacted angrily to him uh, sending the video to the CEO. He was like, I would never do that. I would never do that. So the boy goes through all of the footage since the beginning of when he put the cameras up every single angle, every single camera. And the big suspenseful bit is that at no point does the girl in the video in the bedroom ever actually enter the house. Um, and Which is the, implied that the house is haunted again. Yeah. So there's a, there's a bit of creepiness there and there's a bit of intrigue, but don't worry because that plot point is never answered at all. It goes nowhere. It goes absolutely no. Like, it, there is nothing. It, it does not go not resolved. anywhere. It's just left hanging. It, and then the, the only thing is it's one of the more <laughs> intriguing. Like, that was to me the moment where like, oh shit, are they going to get into the tunnels under the house? Are they going to do yeah. this? Is it like, are we going full horror story? Are we, are we completely going off the rails? This would be good if it was. No, it just never gets. <laughs> it just there's there's just, just a yeah no there's not no season two not happening absolutely not it's it's weird because it's like it's a seven episode mini series which is and like an hour each yeah and it is <laughs> it is oh it's bad it's really bad and then there's like there's a fake there's a fake shooting as well so. Throughout the throughout the episodes, there's a point where the family, the the mum and the two kids are staying at this motel and the dad is staying in the house to to catch the watcher, to catch what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he hears gunshots in the middle of the night. And doesn't do anything about it. Doesn't look like he calls the police. Goes back to bed. Wakes up in the morning, and two of the neighbours who he's been suspecting could be the watcher um, are being wheeled out in body bags or with sheets over them. And the you know the yeah, and the son of that family says, "Oh, they killed themselves because of you. You did this to them." There's a letter that says you accused them of this X Y Z, um, and and yeah, and then it turns out they're not actually dead. Surprise! They're in Florida. That, yeah, yeah, they went to Florida and it was their son that went to an old folks home, found two people of similar body type, took them to the house and then killed them. and Dressed them in their tracksuits and then killed them. And It is so bizarre. It is absolutely just off the wall. Um, yeah and then and then they just it, yeah it just like they move back into the house and it just resumes like yeah. the the creepiness resumes <laughs> like they're, they're still watching they're still at their window they're still like wearing their tracksuits and being creepy and then, and then the guy the, guy then the husband di- yeah then the husband dies and yeah it's there's it's so bizarre. many there's, it's really bizarre yeah, there's so many like weird spikes in this plot because like there's there's also quite a bit there's like 
there's a fairly good bit with the the police officer. The main detective in it is Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. Um, the moment I saw him I was like I said to Jessica I was like he eats pieces of shit for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> and she was like what and I was like shit McGavin's happy girl um, but it was uh, like he was he was quite good in it like you could see that this is just a bit of fun for him um, but you know there's a good there's a good plot point but it's like are the police being like deliberately incompetent you know they send the letters away to get dna tests done and you know there's a whole bunch of like intrigue around that um you know are they are are the detectives actually doing their job yada yada um and at one point he suggests to the dad uh, why don't you hire a private investigator but I've not spoken about the private investigator yet, Joy. But I could tell right away that she was just a write-off character. She what was it? Uh, just she randomly appears, and I felt like there was so many points throughout all of the episodes where she said she was absolutely confident that one person, like she, like it, she always changed the person, but she was like, "Oh, I'm really confident it's this person. Oh, I'm really confident it's actually this other person," and. It, it was, and you then get like the cheapest fake out at the end mm-hmm. that, that you told me you were raging about. <laughs> I was, I was absolutely furious when that happened. But in fairness, the the private detective is one of the best characters. Yeah, she has a really far. satisfying personal drive. She's got really, she's fantastically played, just excellent. And then it just turns into a, you, you know, a fake out, and then it's she lies to the family to try and give them closure. And it's like, well, why <laughs> to give them closure? What happens when the letters keep coming? Yeah. Like, like so it, it, it culminates. So the, the private investigator has cancer and the, you know, she, she wants to have one last case that she succeeds and solves. And, you know, and like, goes all the way through, has like the mind map, the cork board and everything and goes over it with the mum and dad like throughout several episodes. It's like they're a wee gang and it's like a wee kind of murder mystery thing. Because I think that's one of the things is like the tension in all of those scenes is completely removed. Um, it it does sound like a kind of... I don't know, for me it felt very like Stranger Things. Like I've, I've not seen Stranger Things, but it's like, you know, the wee, the wee club that gets together. Oh, what's the mystery around town? Um, I thought, like, rather than this family's actually receiving letters that are like threatening, threatening their kids and stuff, um, it felt kind of like I don't know. It, it felt very scooby. It felt very scooby doo. Good one, Kia. Yeah, absolutely. It did. It felt very scooby doo. Don't get me started on scooby doo again. Um, but we like, at, yeah. At the end, she's lying in the hospital bed and she's like. Oh, I did it. I paid for actors to come and tell you this. I, you know, like I, um, I, I suggested to someone who was substance abusing that they'd also received letters, and I used them to talk to you about receiving the letters. And there's just a whole bunch of shit, and it turns out that that's all just fucking lies. Like at the funeral, the daughter comes up, and it's like, oh, by the way, that's a hundred percent pish. Like, yeah, she made it up because she wanted to give you closure so that you could <laughs> move on with your lives. It's like, like <laughs> the moment the daughter said oh by the way she wanted to give you closure i'd be like that is the opposite of giving someone closure even saying that 
would like imagine fake giving them closure and then it uh, it being unveiled once again but I mean, that... it, it, it's so like they have the whole they go through the heartbreak of losing this friend they have you know they lose her as their friend oh they were you doing <laughs> but speaking of ghosts in the basement she's staring down the stairs as if there's something there there's nothing there go back up or um, so we know or so we know but um there's it's this whole like she's like oh yeah i'm you know they they lose their friend they when we lose a major character through this yeah. and it's they go through the mourning process only to find out oh she lied that's not giving it doesn't give closure yeah. um and it's such that's... a you could argue she's doing it because she's got you know she's on a bunch of pain meds for the cancer she's not thinking straight like but at the you know at the same time it's just bad writing it's just <laughs> yeah. it's just the the you know like the 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 last the last three episodes in this are so like the pacing absolutely crumples. Like there's there's a fair bit of tension building in the first episode, but I think that only comes from being introduced to new characters. Like mm -hmm. as in like that's the only tension building that's really there. Obviously, the ferret also dies, and then the sun disappears for like two episodes, but. It's just like in the background. Like you, I don't think he gets a single line for like. A, there's a couple of episodes that, that the children don't exist in, um, and then they reappear with like, "Oh, I got into the basketball team." Like, yeah, you still exist. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's um, so weird. And then they have like weird family meetings that decide about the house, which is just not evident throughout. Um, they, and, they start talking to each other and you could argue that maybe they're in therapy and that's why they're starting to communicate better but I don't think they are at that point nah. um, it's just the plot has become so convoluted that they become the mechanism for the plot they're not yeah. characters they are just I don't you, know it's, you it's, do it's the, yeah, they are yeah I mean they just they end up just doing things to move they're like it's almost like they become the entity in which we interact with all the other characters. Like there yeah. is, there's not really that much to them beyond. It's like, oh, the dad has an argument with one of the neighbors next door, and then so we, so then we learn about the perspective of that neighbor. Um, there's also another weird injection of another real life crime into this. Yeah, that that is really strange like so there's a there's a character called john in the in the show in the netflix john, show john grisham J john graff graff uh, so john graff is apparently one of the previous owners of the house and this is back to like feeding into the house is the problem so mm -hmm. this guy john graff is a deeply religious man um and he disguises himself as a housing inspector that is is overseeing the renovations that the, the the family are making to the house and there's a there's a bit in it where that you get you get almost like a 15 minute segment about this guy john graff and what his relationship with the houses and it turns out that the house like he he also had a daughter that was young and was going to parties and a, he had a wife who hated him and it like you know emasculated mm -hmm. him and all the rest of it and 
he ends up going on a killing spree and killing his he, he kills his mu- his mum I think his uh, mum his, his, his mum his wife the daughter and the son and there's a big there's a big segment given to how um you know between killing the the daughter and the no between killing the wife and his mum he sat down at the table and had a sandwich and he he drank some milk and then the daughter came back in from school and he shot her too and then he left the house sat and watched his kid his son's soccer game and then when they both went home after the soccer game he then shot his son right and there's a big thing about it and this all ties into the other neighbor who's the the grown man who's uh, got PTSD and his sister's his carer. And, you know, apparently he went into the house and saw the four bodies arranged in this pose and, like, because he'd, he'd posed them on the floor and whatever. And that's, like, mentally scarred and traumatised that, that guy for life. Um, so there's so much attention given to this one guy, John Graff, which is pulled from another real-life crime in John List, yeah. F- from this, from New Jersey as well, a guy called John List, and it's just like you've you've got one crime that's based on a true story, and you've just decided to connect it with another fucking crime from the same area. From Thirty years before, from possibly even forty years before, because it was nineteen seventy-one. Which is just like fucking like jamming the two together. Um, so you know there's a big part of the plot given to the the dad's trying to find out John Graff um, because he he disguised himself as the inspector and he got into the house and you know there's the kind of classic scene where he talks to the other builders who are doing the renovations and there's like there's no John Graff who's a city inspector you know that kind of thing Um, and it is it is bad it it is it's bad it's not good it's not good storytelling and it's again playing into the you know, it is again the American horror story. It is you know the house is haunted by these murders and the house starts to crave blood. Yeah, it was almost as if they didn't know how to make a suspense story out of what is honestly quite a chilling event where your family's being stalked via these yep. anonymous letters. Um, yeah, I mean the, there were so many ways you could have made this creepy. There were so many ways you could have had how this affected the family, and what you got was a series of, you know plot points that yeah. are not connected there are too many driving forces of suspense and none of them get resolved um, what, like, when in a true time square you can't always resolve them but yeah. that you know just because you can't resolve them doesn't mean you keep piling things onto it yeah I mean one of the happened. one of the things that they try and draw a connection to the real life event is obviously like the fam- the real family were traumatised and you know, there was counselling and therapy for things like PTSD. And they try and showcase that in the show. They try and, like, throughout the episodes, they actually try and show the the dad's decline. Like, the dad can't think about anything else, so he's not doing well at work, so he doesn't get partner. So, you know, that adds more financial pressure to the family and, you know, this, that, and the next thing. Um, and the problem with them doing that is that, like, the letters actually fall away from the plot entirely mm-hmm. at one point. There's like, there's episodes where there's not, there's not a new letter or there's a letter only in a, like a flashback and, and things like that. And it's not, it doesn't really like bring anything to the, to the party. Um, and we, we haven't really spoken about the realtor either. Maybe you can touch on that, Joy. 
Jennifer Coolidge, fantastic. She says the yeah. word cunt fantastically. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such a, you know, the, the realtor um, character is in on it. She wants to drive the, fan, you know, it, you know, it's this whole like, oh, you always thought you were better than me. I'm going to force you out of this house and I'm going to buy it for less. And, and you know, I'm going to live this house because I deserve it. It's yeah. very much a uh, gatekeep, gaslight girl boss. <laughs> um, and honestly, the last 30 minutes of the show with her are what a good suspenseful horror movie should be because she is suddenly getting it's, harassed it was by all the, these things. It was the most like, oh. tense that the, the show was. It was... Like, so, yeah, there's there's obviously hints throughout that she's potentially in on it and is trying to drive the family out. And she's, she's like, the friend of the mum who's, like, constantly urging her to divorce the husband and sell the house. And, oh, your artwork's doing so well. And, you know, like, this, this, that, and the next thing. Mm-hmm. And the, like, you know, it, it ends with her getting the house cheaper because she buys it through the LLC and she ends up paying a lot less than what the family bought it for. Um, which is, which is great. So she's successfully, you know, she sees herself as having successfully won the house from her rival in high school. Right. And so she's, she's in the house. She's, she's rude to the neighbors who come to the door with, a baked pie and blondies and all this sort of shit. Um, and she's got a dog and she's, I think she's, she's in the kitchen or something like that. And she hears a dripping mm-hmm. sound and she runs upstairs and the baths on the baths fill to the brim. And it started to like drip down the hall and then down the staircase and the dog's been like drinking the water. Um, so she goes in and she, you know, she puts her hand in the bathtub and the, it's, it's burn. obviously burning, burning, um, and then she, you know, she doesn't think much of it. She tries to phone the detective who's had enough. They were so supposed She's apparently to... been dating this whole time. Yeah, she's, yeah. There, there's, that they cram that in at like the last couple of episodes where it's like, so she's been dating the detective and then like the, the family assume that they're both in on it and go on a rant to them. Um, but they've now broken up and she's like, she made fun of his erectile dysfunction and that, like that's all that's all like implied Which is a weirdly reoccurring theme through the whole series, yeah is that the women aren't getting enough dick and that's why fucking hell yes bad things are <laughs> happening like, like it, there was at least five points where i was just yelling get a vibrator just get a vibe like it was so like oh if your husband's not satisfied it's like you are literally in a situation where you are being stalked. You have no money. You're losing everything, and you are worried about the fact that you're not getting enough dick. Yeah, it was. It was. There, there was a couple of moments in it where I think it was like the day, the day that he got told that he wasn't partner, and he then like he then hyper focuses on solving the the watcher problem, um, because he knows that that's like the barrier to how he's getting on with his family and his job, and he can't think of anything else. So he's like he's sitting and he's like he's just trying to get into the zone of like how can I actually find out who the watcher is, and then <laughs> it's like it's like the, the kind of wife just leans in and it's like you got some cock for me and he's like <laughs> he's he he said he, he looks up and he goes what 
And she goes, it's fine. <laughs> and fucking storms out. And he's just left there going, wait, what? Um, I mean, he's literally trying to figure out who's stalking them. And she's mad that, it, I mean, priorities. Um, yeah. I also got really annoyed at one point because they're in the basement. Where One of the letters says, I would hate for the children to be in the basement so far from the top of the house where they cannot hear you, but you would not hear them scream. Yeah. So what do the parents go and do? They leave the children upstairs in their bedrooms with no one around. They go into the basement and drink wine. Yeah. Whilst talking about this horrible person that's sending them these threatening letters, threatening their children, going, I'm sorry. Maybe yeah. I just have different idea of what parenthood should be. But if that's happening, uh, I, would not be, I would not make sure that I was as far away from my children as possible and then get drunk in the basement. Yeah. There's, like, I don't... Yeah. It's very, it's very weird... Um, so like the it, it ends so throughout it the family actually so the renovations are going on they were renovating the basement they renovated the kitchen first and then it was the basement and the renovators are go oh by the way there was a really really cold draft um coming from this particular wall and look what we found and they basically pull this like wooden board up and there are tunnels there are fucking shitloads yeah. of tunnels it's like a maze underneath the house it clearly goes like all over the town it could literally be you know whatever it is it is the access point to the house if not from anywhere else it is like the creepy entrance um, which i will say did, do exist in some houses that date back to prohibition because that's yeah. how they smuggled booze that it was a real yeah. thing it's not so far-fetched yeah um what was far-fetched is that it took them, you know, I, you know, as Kiwi's pointing out, why would you renovate the basement second? Um, yeah, because they end up tracking everything through the lovely kitchen that they've just finished renovating. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's all, it's so bad. And then as soon as they find it, the dad starts charging, charging off down the thing. I'm like, no, fuck that. I would immediately call the police or I would be like, hey, yeah. who do we call about this? And, I wouldn't but, just start running down the darkened hallway with yeah. like, dragging my. Your wife is begging you to come back. And you're going, ah, you're fine. Come on. You know, <laughs> and like, then, and then they, there's like there's an attempt at a jump scare where like there's someone running like five meters ahead of them down the tunnel, and they see them because they drop the torch and then they pick the torch back up and then someone's legging it down the tunnel and uh, you know like the big chase happens and the music you know goes up and and all the rest but back to like when Jennifer Coolidge's character has the house um the dogs barking in the basement so she goes down to the basement and the dogs barking at a wall so she starts banging on all the walls and then stops and then mm -hmm. walks out and leaves the basement and calls the dog to her and the dog kind of just trots up and then i think she goes back to bed wakes up and then the they've, they've fucking killed the dog they have yeah she wakes up like, and the dog's just lying dead the, yeah the dog's lying dead in the middle of the hall just like the ferret and like that's the big shocking thing and then there's a weird bit where a hooded figure comes out of a trap door built into the stairs and I was like, how the fuck do you renovate your whole house and not notice a trapdoor in the stairs? Yeah. It, it was so bizarre. Like, as someone who lives in a house that is a disaster, there are so many things you start, as soon as you peel wallpaper off, you notice the weird shit. Yeah. And it's just so bizarre to me that they're like, oh, we didn't, we, we did all these major renovations and we're just finding the hidden trapdoor in the staircase. <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, I mean, it, it ends with her 
looking at this person who's come out the trap door screaming and then it cuts to her running down the street um don't know why she couldn't id the person or whatever like i I guess it's dark and they're wearing a hood but it's like it's so i don't know i found the ending particularly the ending with the dead dog i was like that is cheap as fuck because we were we were in it wasn't like a dog that we've seen the whole season like it was a dog that was in that episode for about five minutes to be killed um, which really annoyed me because it's like yeah, I, I ended up cuddling Hollymock. She was sleeping at the end of the bed, and she just suddenly woke up because she was getting lifted up, and I was just like, no, <laughs> just hugging my hugging my baby. But it was it was just the the animals just exist to die in this show. Yeah. So if you're someone who is very sensitive to things like animal death, don't watch it because it's horrible. Like it's literally just there to to be shock value. Yeah. Um, That's what it, like the, the yeah. ferrets the exact same thing. So like. I, I'm I'm sure someone will do a deep analysis of the ferret dying in the first episode and the dog dying in the last episode. But it was like both times were just fucking cheap as shit. Like, you know, it would have been more fun to have the ferret actually find the tunnel or fucking anything, you know, it's like I don't know, it was just it was very it was very weak. And then it culminates with a kind of spooky, like, the dad it, like the family have left the house now, but the dad can't give up. Um, we see what... him in therapy. Yeah, and he talks about how he's finally moving on, but then he takes every opportunity to talk about the house, like I mean, which is he's become obsessive with it, which I would too. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, like I'm, I'm someone who wants you know, it's I know what PTSD can make you very obsessive, um, and. He, the, the therapist I thought for sure the therapist was going to be in on it too or something yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was set up in such a way where you couldn't trust anybody so I'm yeah. like, he's going to finish this therapy session and the therapist is going to pull out a typewriter and he's just going to be typing the letters or something yeah, like that. yeah. that was how bizarre this whole thing was I'm like is it the therapist yeah. you know like um, but it was it, it, it was to the point where like ev- like it wasn't it wasn't a good everyone's a suspect it was like yeah. a they've you know the way that they kind of passed characters around or introduced characters it was like well everyone here is evil and bad <laughs> you know there's no there's no redemption and like the, again the ending scene is the the dad parks up outside the house and like talks to the new owner um saying oh this is a lovely house and it's like he's become there's like a montage of like everyone in the town like watching the house which I thought was really weak because mm-hmm. like it's yeah it's it, an, it was it, again leaning so heavily on American Horror Show Story mm, yeah. because that is what happens the people the ghosts end up obsessed with the house and they can't leave and anyone yeah. that becomes associated with the house becomes obsessed with it and I'm going this Ryan knows how to tell one story yeah doesn't and, know how to tell any others. And you know, the annoying thing is, I enjoyed American Horror Story when it first came out. I remember mm. being very creeped out by it. Um, I still like some of the later series. I like some of their short story stuff, just because it is, it's that kind of campy. Creepy, creepy a lot of it. yeah. Um, but it doesn't work for this. And when you have a, you have a true crime story that is genuinely scary, and you turn it into, I, I don't know what this was supposed to be. It, it, yeah. You know, it felt like an amalgamation of 
throwing ideas at a dartboard and then instead of picking the best one they just picked all of them yeah um, and it's uh, it's really weird it's really frustrating from a storytelling aspect because i'm sitting there like i i did a lot of um gothic horror when i was younger i did a lot of recent i did you know i'm i'm a, I'm a ghoul like i'm mm. i'm very big into scary stuff i i used to love all that sort of thing before my i developed my heart problems which meant i can't watch it anymore <laughs> but um it was I was watching it and I'm like, they're missing so many narrative beats. Mm. And even for true crime stuff, you have to have the narrative beat to, to, cause you know, they exist in life as well. Like it's, you know, you can take the things that happened and make them creepy. You can, you can elevate them to the realm of horror. But the way this was done, it was just a case of, I'm going to regurgitate the, the last six seasons of American Horror Story <laughs> and put it into one show. And um, basically yeah. put it into seven episodes, and it's you know the whole idea that you can't trust anybody. The neighbors are all in on it, which again was an American horror story plot. The house itself is possessed, American horror story plot. The father is uh, you know, um, having affairs and attracted to younger women, American horror story yeah. plot. And it, you just you can tick them all off and be like, this is a one trick pony. This is yeah, this exactly. This is um, I mean dragon. Sorry, Dragon yeah. Saint and Chaz by now. Like, a good everyone's a suspect requires the writers to actually know who the perpetrator is. Uh, yeah. And I I think... I mean, the most obvious one for me that I... Like, there was, there was the outlandish theory that's proposed by a side character about it being, like, a demonic cult that drinks the blood of children. But that, they're vampires and that's how they stay eternally young. And, yeah. and then, then there's the most plausible one, which is, like an LLC wants to scare away someone so they can buy the house back cheap and then, like, you make know, kind of just constantly make profit off of selling this one really nice house, which I thought was, like, the most plausible one because you meet the the realtor who's evil in it, um, you know, like Jennifer Coolidge's character. Um, and the, the other realtor who... The, 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 like, her boss. Yeah, her boss is, like... It turns out they're the LLC. Um... And you know, there's like there's the big bit around around that that's like super super creepy, and it's just it's so I don't know, it's just weak as fuck. And it is like weak. the 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 thing that frustrated me the most is like obviously at the end of this, like all of these fucking things, you get based on a true story. The watcher the watcher case remains unsolved, and it's like. There's something very frustrating about having that kind of end title sequence when that's not the case. Yeah. Like, I would understand if it was like, okay, this is based on some true life events, which is why I thought it was more of a, it's like more of a legal disclaimer at this point, right? It's mm -hmm. like, uh, okay, we've actually bought the rights to the story from the family it happened to, um, but. Uh, but I, the, like that's the end of it you know the letters are the end of it everything else is just nothing to do with the actual story so i got really fucking annoyed at the end where it was like oh the watcher case remains unsolved as if like all of the events of the past seven episodes has actually happened yeah and it, the thing is they haven't even really focused on the watcher it just became about the personal drama of the, mm. the family it just became you know the father's instability, the mother having an art show that's sold out. I can I also just say she's the beigest woman you've ever seen. She, everything she's she wore so is beige. beige. <laughs> there's not there's really not funny. any colour. <laughs> it's really funny because there's the bit where Jennifer Coolidge is 
putting in pink marble tops. She's getting everything very, getting girl boss gatekeep gaslight. Yeah. Um, and you don't actually see the mother because she's so beige. She blends in with the curtains. <laughs> yeah. And then she just appears. And it's kind of like this beige jump scare that happens because she blends <laughs> She's so bland. She blends in with the landlord magnolia yeah. white. Um, <laughs> and that to me like I, I actually broke down laughing at that point because I'm going she's been annoying me this whole time and then the one time you see her wearing a different colour if you see her wearing black it's when she's telling her husband to get his shit together yeah and that's the only time you see it in colour yep and then she goes straight <laughs> color. back to bland yeah colour yeah. she's, yeah. she's a very monochrome person which is very it's very much how the characterization is as well yeah Um, she's very two. she's got two settings she's got outrage at her husband and then she's got freaking out that she's been about her art and then also getting you know kicked out from the tennis club because that's what rich white people do i suppose um, <laughs> yeah i, I hate it I, they kept talking about how they had no money and i'm like if you have no money why are you buying a 3.3 million house yeah was... if you have no money you live within your means you yeah you know There's... There, there, there's the whole there's the whole part of the plot where like it, it seems like every single side character is advising the wife to divorce her husband um and which is fair advice <laughs> which, which yeah which is fair but like i i one of the things that i thought was quite that i thought was going to be interesting was i thought that the people in the town would buy her art i thought it was going to be that they would buy her heart like our art to again, try and lure it's like oh you, you're self-sufficient you can do this on your own you don't need to rely on your husband who's awful you can make your own way sell the house sell the house but no nah, i just it fucking like that plot goes nowhere um and it would have been i i remember thinking what if it's a thing what to make her feel secure yeah it turns out that everyone's in on it and they've done this and then she suddenly doesn't have money she's reliant on this community that's harassing her that yeah. would have been a fantastic twist for that plot. but no it, it turns out <laughs> turns out there's really really rich people that just love beige vases and that's like that's literally <laughs> it's it's literally the stuff you can get at a market world here overall market you walk in and it's like made by a you know it, it's the kind of basic things that you can get everywhere and it's apparently selling for thousands a piece and i'm going cool great yeah. fantastic do something <laughs> with this if this is important enough to be featured yeah. in this you have to do something it was with it. it was a it was a total like chekhov's gun moment where it's just fucking i know nothing happened with it at all and you're just sitting there going fuck like this better this like because it's mentioned throughout the thing it's not like a one episode thing it's like her art is a big part like you know like she she was a bit nervous about moving to the suburbs because what happens if the if her gallery work in New York all goes to no it's fine it's you know she's still fine she's still able to do all the stuff and it's just like ugh. um it, they talk about being poor all the time and yet they never seem to, they're not poor the, yeah they're not they're, <laughs> they, tell you what they talk about how they have no money and I'm I'm staring at them <laughs> going you have no the, money but you're replacing the marble countertop in your perfectly serviceable kitchen because it's not your aesthetic yeah and it's like we needed we needed a butcher block we can't we can't have red sauce on the white marble at all it'll stain stain and it's like fucking hell guys get your i mean it's not like you're seeing the family sitting around eating pot noodle you know it's 
They Which don't, would have been more scary because yeah. it's a vulnerable, it's a family. Because they don't even they they're able to move back into their old apartment in New York and yeah. they have to sustain the mortgage and this whilst complaining that they're poor. And I'm like, I hate you. You're <laughs> the people that will be guillotined first. It was just so annoying. Yeah, and like if it, if you made it into like the whole, you know, it is actually a struggle for them. Yeah, but it never is. It's just it, you know, and the, they make this whole thing with the watcher. They're like, "Oh, was it greed that brought you to the house?" And it's like, "Well, no, yeah. it's not greed. It's aspirations of getting away from crime." Yeah, and it's nothing like, to do with greed. It's only when <laughs> you get to Jennifer Coolidge's character that it's about greed. Yeah, and I think one of the like one of the other things with just like the the size of the house and obviously like I think the I'm not sure if the it doesn't do a good job at showing you the size of the house and it's like interior i had no idea whether the like i think it only only one of the watchers letters say oh, are you all going to be staying on the second floor which means mm-hmm. that there's at least three bedrooms on the second floor but like it never like none of the camera stuff actually shows the scale of the house you seem to have a staircase that goes up at least twice in the center of the house when you come in mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually show you you know all the different rooms it like it it doesn't do a good job at i feel like with things like american horror story it does a better job at actually showing the actual the rooms levels of, of the yeah, like the levels of the house and um, because that's when when you have a very tense sequence that's maybe someone's in the house you immediately have this kind of mental mind map of like what room are they where the in? exits are um yeah. whereas i felt like when at least when jennifer coolidge was like trying to find who'd broken in because her alarm goes off that's what happens her alarm goes off on the ground floor and you know she's walking along and she's like checking every door and it's like we actually don't know that like the 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 layout of the, the house layout of the house yeah yeah and we don't we never get shown it in full which is again something that american horror story does well because it, it shows you the full house because yeah. there are sequences where you are running for your life and that adds to the tenseness because you can relate to what this person is trying to get through you can yeah. see the map in your head and you're going oh they're not going to make it because they're on the third floor they have to get all the way down and like yeah. in this there is nothing there is just that they seem to be able to get to the the, the the patio doors and the front door with relative ease they're able to run around the whole house and yeah. you know 30 seconds flat and i'm going it it seems so there's no tension behind it. even <laughs> when jennifer coolidge is running away from people it just there was yeah the, the final episode is the only episode with the proper suspense that you would expect and, and it only is only in like the last fucking 10 minutes yeah. <laughs> you know um but i think probably now's a good time to maybe like pull ourselves out of talking about the, the watcher because yes. i have the fucking never so want to see it. it again but like it's, it's, it's bad if anyone's really in, if anyone really likes the, the, the actual watcher you know the true the actual true crime thing this is not it yeah like <laughs> this it's is not it it's so it's so divorced from the creepiness of the actual letters that it's not worth your like time um and i think like I think that's the issue that I take with something that's kind of true crime. Now, obviously, they tried to make this a wee bit more horror. It's a bit more of a spin. It's not like they are trying to do an actual retelling of... the. They want you to dramatise it a bit. And I, I kind of get it, but at the same time, I'm very... Like, I'm, I'm not... I'm not a fan of how Netflix yeah. pursues, like, crime drama horror type stuff like this um 
we were talking about it a wee bit before, but like Dammer is um The Dammer series, yeah. Yeah, like the, the Dam the Dammer series for me is like a bit of a red flag. I feel like that absolutely shouldn't be um like I've 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 not watched it because I refuse to watch it because I feel like Netflix yeah. does a really good job at glorifying the killers and does very they, they do, very they do what little. Netflix does best. They do what Netflix does best, which is to oh the killer's so smart and like police never. How could the police have ever caught this person? And it's just like yeah. you're just doing the police's job for them. You're just propaganda. They're not catching these people because they're criminal masterminds. No, they're catching them because you don't give a fuck. Yeah, I like. I mean. That's- the stuff, the stuff with Dammer's particularly annoying because you've obviously got families of the victims where it's still very raw, um, and I mean the to be honest, families protested it. Yeah, and to be honest, yeah. I think this extends to, um, like, m- like true crime. Uh, maybe, m- maybe we are somehow being exploitative as well, Joe. Let's have a wee bit of reflection. We, we, we are exploiting the commentary on something that's actually happened and the series that Netflix has made off the back of it. So maybe we are, in fact, complicit. There we We're go. That's the, that is the, that is yeah. the self, that's the self-reflective disclaimer for this episode done. Um, but, I I, I kind of take issue with like the kind of wider like true crime. Um, like I've seen some videos on YouTube where people have tried to emulate a kind of BuzzFeed Unsolved, but mm-hmm. it it is entertainment for them as opposed to here's here's a mystery that we can kind of discuss. Now, like obviously, there's things like the Dyatlov Pass, like unsolved mystery, and mm-hmm. you know it's kind of semi been solved now. You know, like a mixture of uh like weather conditions and hypothermia and all this kind of jazz but like yeah the like the, like like what the buzzfeed guys were saying about the watcher case in particular it's like they normally do stuff that has a bit more distance like a bit more mm-hmm. historical distance and i find that there's a lot of i don't want to say amateur but there's a lot of like highly viewed like youtubers and like podcasters yeah. that like the, the, I just I don't know I find that there's something really weird of like oh today today we're going to be talking about a woman that was murdered by her husband uh, but first here's a sponsorship for Audible you know yeah, that makes me uncomfortable there's a uh, lot I mean there was there's one that gets recommended on my feed all the time and it's a channel called Monsters and mm. it's the dude just reading about cases as recent as like 2019 2020 and it's these horrific cases and somehow he gets a lot of like court stuff he gets a lot of evidence like he, mm. and i watched one of them because i'm like why does this keep getting recommended to me i made it maybe 10 minutes in before i clicked off because i'm going this is ghoulish because within yeah. watching the 10 minutes i've been given two ads yeah and i was like this family died two years ago and you're making ad revenue on it that bothered me um, yeah. and again i am someone i like i i am a ghoul i like paranormal mystery stuff i enjoy ghost hunting stuff i just i think it's funny um i also like creepy things you know shock Mm. horror Uh, but it's (laughs) there's something about it being so real and still so relevant and the fact that there are real life people who are saying please don't make these things yeah um there was the show that i was talking about to you earlier called the thing about pam Mm. which is the story of the pam hup murderer who you know she killed three people for insurance money and NBC made it into a very, it, they, 
it's it's slate you know they debuted it as a dark comedy uh. and the daughters were on tiktok saying please don't watch this this is awful it makes my mother's killer into like a clown parody of a, you know it's almost it's again the girl bossification of it because it's like oh well she was doing she was so smart to get all this money this way but then yeah. crime doesn't like there's this there's this it's a kind of a parody on like the dateline sort of thing where it's like that you have the the American voiceover, and this is what we're doing today, and it's very kind of dramatic and, you know, um, but it's also very tongue-in-cheek, which I mm. do not think is respectful. It is very kind of like, you're playing with the lives of people who are still alive. Especially because yeah. this this Pam person framed the husband, and the husband went to jail for several years for a murder he did not commit. Yeah. Um, and it's very sickening to me that it was played off. I mean, Props to um, Renny Zellweger. She did a fantastic... I, I watched it before I knew it was actually a real thing. Um, and she did a fantastic job. She was. I, I didn't like the use of a fat suit, but I thought she acted it really well. You'd, you wouldn't almost know it was her in mm-hmm. some cases. Um, but it was so weird. And then at the end of it, I was kind of watching it and I'm going, is this real? And then it does show... It shows you at the end, it shows you the real pictures of the real people. And I'm like, shit, it is real. And I was looking it up, and I'm going, "This is horrifying." Because the family were like, "Please don't do this." Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just in the same vein as the Dahmer things. You had the family saying, "Please don't do this." Mm. Um, and they make money off of it. They make so much money off these things. It's like, cool. Is any of that money going to the family? Yeah, I think there's there's also one thing that I really don't like, particularly about the Netflix stuff, is like the it never comes up for air, and that's yeah. something that bothers me a wee bit is like when the drama is so focused on like um the killer's apartment and how meticulous the killer was and you know like how for example the the zach efron ted bundy thing like how he portrayed himself like and don't get me wrong i totally understand ted bundy was supposed to be charming zach efron looks charming you know like but it i feel like I feel like there's not enough of like the kind of coming up for air that maybe some documentaries would actually do. It's like it's more of the dramatization of the crimes as opposed to here is what happened, you know? Because I think it's yeah. like I understand that there's you know the, there's always a conversation about the uh, demographic on who actually listens and watches true crime stuff, and there's a higher percentage of women that watch true crime than than guys. And I would understand to a certain extent is like, because you know these people are like obviously the the killers and the the people who commit the crimes tend to be men. There's a lot of crime that is like you know obviously gender based, and I yeah. imagine that like almost. I don't want to there's talk about element, like there's an element of trauma control in that yeah. you're exposing yourself to the thing so that you can feel in control of it, which is valid. That is a valid trauma response. Yeah, and there's but, also probably a little yeah. bit of like adrenaline and thrill with it as yeah. well. Like, don't get me wrong. And I, to be honest, there's also probably a knowledge thing. It's like, you know, charming guy who might appear a little bit too charming. You know, it's it's almost like searching for the red flags in previous cases. You know, like being able to like i don't know just detect it um but at the same time when it comes to the kind of glorification of the like the killer um you know they 
the amount of people who watched like Zac Efron portrayed Ted Bundy and then mentally went, oh, well, I really fancied Zac Efron in High School yeah. Musical. So naturally, <laughs> uh, you know, oh, him as Ted Bundy is really good. Oh, Ted Bundy himself was quite handsome. You know, that kind yeah, of it's shit. A, but there's like, always been... There's always been know, fans. Like, there's always been fans, but there's also been, you know, there's all these things about women that would write to serial killers and they'd be like, well, I, you know, they are in love with them. They, mm. you know... And to me, I look at that and go, what is missing in your life that you feel the need <laughs> to do this? What is going on with you personally that you think that you could change the serial killer? Yeah. Um, and it's, it is, a, a, you know, it's an important um, <laughs> just a waffle fucking TikTok people. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, th- that is a major thing I take. You know, there are so many people that are now declaring themselves to be amateur sleuths and amateur detectives. And mm. what they're really just doing is exploiting tragedies for money yeah and it you know what do you who do you think you are a corporation like why (laughs) it's it's very unsettling to me that you literally can have um i'm not going to name it because i want the person to have privacy but there was a disabled person who their case was all over tiktok a while ago Mm. and their own tiktok account got banned because disabled content is often seen as being against their terms of services but all these people talking about their case that's fine yeah those... and they're able to get creator money payout from tiktok for that and i'm going that's fucked up why yeah. is that happening there's like... i think there's there's a problem where like the true crime like it's it's like is is one thing talking about historical unsolved mysteries and unsolved yes. crimes of the past, provided there's like a historical distance to them. Um and see that that's that's like its own thing. Um mm-hmm. and I can I can almost understand like, you know, the people who still try and solve Jack the Ripper stuff, you know, that that kind of yeah. thing. Even 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 later than that, you know, that's that's like fine. Um but like you've then got the people who analyze the cases that have like you know past couple of years where there's probably a probably like a bigger concern is people who start to think about active cases and i think like a lot of people try and follow like more active yeah zodiac sorry the zodiac killers are more modern example of the kind of you know people are still trying to piece together the zodiac killers codes which is everyone knows as ted cruz (laughs) but like the the thing with um you know, like the thing with the, like the active cases like it becomes like dangerous you know because you yes, you then you, have you also risk that you might influence someone who ends up on the jury yeah i mean it's it's you one know, of those things there, that yeah it there was a thing that i watched and it was about you know it was um again it was to do with the pam hub case Mm. And the members of the jury had all been influenced. They all went out and gossiped about these things. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm going, that's, there's some of them who don't even admit to it. There was um, a murder case a while ago, and it was, um, uh, I forget the name, but the man basically killed his pregnant wife. Horrible, horrible case. It's still ongoing. Mm. Um, And the jury um, fully were talking about it in a bar. And they got reported, which meant this guy was able to walk free. And and then it, it went hmm. back to trial and he got reconvicted. But I'm going, you can't compromise juries like that. 
and how many people are just on TikTok scrolling or Instagram yeah. scrolling and they get these ongoing case about this horrible thing. And it's like, how much of that information do you absorb? How much of that bias do you absorb? So you I mean, could be sitting there think... going, yes, I have no prior knowledge of this case, but is that true? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, t- to be honest, a really, really clear-cut one that, like, I suppose, in a way, we can actually also talk about, like, true crime, but, like, the the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case, like, that was everyone, right. that, was, yeah. that was probably, like, if there is one thing that I would love to point to, and I was like, humanity needs fucking wiped out, was the discourse around that, like, case. It was horrifying like i ended up blocking everything i could to avoid it because i found the whole thing was just triggering to me like it was just everything about it was bad it was the it was the taking sides it was the ongoing coverage it was people live streaming it and like you know fucking covering the individual like testimonies and fucking everything it was like there's a there's obviously a reason that um it was asked to be broadcast but like Jesus fucking Christ, there's it, it was awful. And the thing is, like the you know, the it, it was impossible to avoid the discourse around it. Um so when it comes to like, you know, jury cases and stuff, if if you know a true crime podcast or whatever is whatever for whatever reason turned that case into a viral thing, you know, it's impossible for people not to be aware and be influenced and you know, or what about this? And yeah. I think with a lot of true crime stuff, a lot of people just pontificate kind of endlessly about mm. about it. That it's it's not. It's and not it's, right. people also need to know that when you know streamers are doing these things, they're getting money for doing it. They're yeah. not. It's not journalistic interest. They you don't have interest. <laughs> they don't. We don't get money for it. But like you know, TikTok, yeah. you make a video. If you have the creator thing active, you can get paid for it. Instagram, you get paid for reels. Yeah. So if you're making these off-the-cuff reels and funny clips and all these sorts of things, reaction clips, they're getting money for it. Yeah. And the more sensationalist they can make it, the more money they will get. And to me, it feels bad. It it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth to yeah. think that you so you would, um, you know, make money off talking about talking about these things and just to clarify we don't get paid for this stream <laughs> yeah so we, I was, don't, we don't earn anything from this stream this i was is gonna say news, news just in um, all twitch streamers and podcasters are bastards you heard it here first yeah i mean um, yes but, for different <laughs> reasons. Uh, <laughs> but it's yeah it, it's to me it's it's weird and I, it's also again because i see you know i i hear my my IRS says influencer. I I, I I hate it, but it's the content I would talk about. I mean, I would talk about queer rights. I would talk about disability activism. All yeah. that stuff gets disabled, and I can't earn money from it because it gets disabled. One mm. of my friends literally just lost her massive TikTok because she talks about polyamory, um, and yet people that do talk about these gruesome things don't get demonetized. It's like what is happening with yeah. this is it, it's literally just more profitable for them to let people talk about these horrific things than it is for us to be like hey like this is a you know an ableist issue or hey this is like a, a queer issue and we get banned right away we are unable to earn from our platforms and yeah. yet these people are able to make money off of essentially harassing victims of 
crimes. I mean, like, to be honest, the one thing we haven't touched on with true crime is that there's people who do true crime podcasts who write to victims' families and fucking yeah, harass that them. Is and that's obviously the, unhinged. That's like the super extreme end of it. But like, if you have a true crime podcast, YouTube channel, whatever, fucking what are you doing writing to the families of the victims? It's like that. That's like next level un- unhinged. Um, yeah, and it's you're you are re-traumatizing the people involved, and that is not yeah. Okay. Um, and and that again was the the Pam Hubcaps, the the daughter Maria was saying, you know, this whole thing was re-traumatizing. We'd finally mm. got to a place where we were moving on, we have our own life, and this comes out, and, and now it's, it's like, all been dug up again. And yeah. it's like, oh, it's almost like you should be waiting until everyone involved is dead, <laughs> or at least to have their permission. Yeah. What was worse yeah. about that is like it's. It's obviously harrowing having that happen and then experiencing the actual court case and everything. It's it's like it is a it is a fucking double whammy. Then going through the like, I mean, I wasn't aware about the Pam Hub thing at all until you told me prior to the stream. Like that that's whether I'm whether I'm exceptionally sheltered or not i don't know but well, like on the same tv channels as me <laughs> well yeah but like you know I, I i i i have not heard of it whatsoever and i think I, I there's a there's a there's a problem where you know this kind of netflix thing actually shares it with a much wider audience than what the the family who originally had it happen to them were exposed to when the case actually, exactly. when the crime was actually committed. Even the news coverage of the crime and the court case on the back of it, like there's that, there's a certain probably geographical bubble to that where people like myself will never have heard about it. Putting it on the front page of fucking Netflix, complete, like it makes a global spectacle of it to the point mm-hmm. where, well, naturally people are going to want to look up photos of the family involved and like you know a lot of the netflix shows actually put up real photos now i imagine they must have to get permission of that to to post the oh they don't need to get permission um so you there was a lot of them with that i've seen is that um they have to reach out and if the family doesn't respond they can go ahead with it the family is within their rights to say hey take it down but they don't need explicit permission if it's like public photographs, if it's public records so, from trials and things like that. It is, so all it would take yeah. is a newspaper clipping of the photo yeah. of a family and they'd be like, well, it's in the public domain anyway. Yes. I fucking hate everyone, man. I Honestly, <laughs> I, I just like, yeah. there's, there's some stuff like that that just, I don't know. There's like, to me, it feels awful. It, it, it's you know people, <laughs> because it's because it's on their Facebook, it's considered public. I don't like that. Um, but that that's <sighs> the world we live in at the minute. Yeah. Different if they're taking the photos off your phone, but yeah. they're saying, "Well, you you posted it. You wanted it to be public, so we used it." But again, there's you know there are some people who they. Re- I mean, it, a good example would be um, the Pamela Anderson deal yeah she begged that, them not to make it and they made yeah. it anyway that was fucking scummy and what's what's worse with that actually is and i i i struggle to give a f- like this is I, I can't remember if this was a conversation that me and you were having or it might have been actually been, last week probably maybe maybe last week but it's like i i really struggle to give a fuck about certain celebrities experiencing yeah it was it was last week it was like 
I, I I struggle to care about celebrities being in kind of like socially difficult situations that's concluded like so like Lily James who played Pamela Anderson reached out to mm-hmm. Pamela Anderson several times and Pamela Anderson said please don't take the fucking role and she just went ahead and did it. and it, like I feel like it's a very it's a very rich person project it, like problem to be like oh sorry i was i was already contracted for the role um yeah i was already i was already being paid fuck loads to pay to, to play you in a in a tv show that goes extremely invasive into your into your life um it's so the the problem with the pam anderson thing the starry sky is that it was i think it's like public domain kind of news story i don't know if yeah. they actually needed to get the rights because it wasn't a, like, it it wasn't a story that specifically happened to her. There was some like technicality where they didn't need her specific approval to get the rights to the thing, um, mm-hmm. which I I don't I don't understand how that works. Because obviously for the the watcher, they did actually need to get the rights from the family. I don't know what the difference is there. Oh, well, they um, is eighty nine point zero. They had the rights to a book about it. So it's based on the book, not her real life. Oh, fuck. Jesus. Okay. But it's technicalities. It's technicalities within technicalities. Um, It's to do with, you know, she can't copyright her life story. Right. So, so that, that seems a bit strange. So like basically anyone, like someone could write a biography about my life, right? And someone could then purchase the rights to the biography about my life and then make... That would be the most boring fucking TV show in the world. <laughs> I mean, the China and Russia stuff would be quite fun, but aside from that, um, but yeah, Mine so would just like, be repeat medical trauma that no one wants to <laughs> <laughs> But like that, so it's okay. So so someone could do that. So the the biography could be like the rights to the biography could be sold to a TV studio, and the TV studio could then, without ever getting approval from me, go. Well, we own the rights to the biography, which is the story of your life, so we'll just mm-hmm. make it anyway. Oh man, the entertainment industry's fucked, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it, it's things where you they can still get sued for, it's someone saying her image, her name, but yeah, you know, it depends on what things they've also said. You know, she can sue for defamation and slander and all these things, and but. It's whether that holds up in court because they can turn around and say, "Well, actually, it's not about you. It's about a book based on you," which can be seen as, you know, fiction. Fuck, uh, just man. because it, it just because it resembles the truth doesn't mean it is the truth. Um, That's again fucked. based on a true story. It's not this yeah. is a true story. It's based on a true story. Um, so, so, so I, I kind of feel like based on a true story must be a legal disclaimer then. Probably. Like, I mean, it, there, it can also be used entirely in, in fictionally. There's actually a thing on Hulu just now called um, The Amish Witches, based on a true story. And it's basically just, it's almost like a Blair Witch style documentary. And it presents itself as completely factual, but it is not. And it's using the based on a true story to heighten the horror element. Mm. So, based on a true story serves purpose in that it enhances the story, but it can also be a legal disclaimer that it's not the true story, but it is based on it. So, so, right, so there's, yeah, there's, is yeah, as Hex is saying in chat, it's effectively a marketing gimmick that both, yes. that probably helps fuel authenticity, 
but also might be used as a way to cover your arse if you yes. get a defamation suit. Yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> see, see, every time I tell a fucking story from now on, I'm going to go, this is based on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> but but what they can just take liberties with it. What what it what it's based on is this tiny slither of truth where I was partly involved at the start of it and the rest is just made up. Yeah. As as Tundra points out, it's the same as in any fictional book where it has to say the similarity to any person's living or dead is coincidence. Like I have to put that yeah. in my book because I do certain I parody certain people from history, but you have to have that anyway, regardless of what you're writing, because someone could turn around and go, "Oh, you based that on me," and you can go, prove it. You know, um, I'm I'm actually I'm filling I'm filling out the court documentation just now for Fiddledy. Is uh, I feel like I feel like I was parodied to the nth degree. Um, it's funny for me because my book is. Um, populated with people from Patreon, so it is based on. There are characters that are based on real people, but it is obviously not the real people because, you know, um, they're not vampires. So it's the, <laughs> that we know. Um, but it's that kind of thing where I'm like, I have to be like this, coincidental, but also here is the people that paid to be in the book. Yeah, um, that's cool. So it it was weird, kind of like when we were looking at the legal phrasing for that. Like, do we need to alter the legal phrasing? I don't think we do. I think it's just a kind of as long as it's mentioned somewhere that these characters aren't actually cameos. Um, yeah, that must be super it, it, interesting from like a a legal perspective as well, because like obviously books don't really have like a terms and conditions. Like it's not like you're like clicking the button when you're like buying software um, or whatever, but like. There were some you also, people when they signed up, they they actually said to me, uh, there were some people that were involved in military, some people that were involved in government, right. and they said you can do this, but you can't do this. And I was like, okay. that's fine. Yeah, um, but it's like you, other you people can't... were just like, I just want my name, like that was yeah. you know that was it. But there were some people who were very much like, if you Google me, don't use this, and I'm like, cool. Right. Okay. It's, um, it's interesting because like the. You, like you can't withdraw consent from that like i could like yeah. let's let's say i started to disagree with i don't know spotify or like facebook terms and conditions i have the right to uh, withdraw, withdraw withdraw that and obviously deactivate my account and the uh, in accordance with like gdpr or whatever they have a certain amount of time to delete all the data associated with me um up to a period there might be some legal cases where you know they might be required by law to hold data on me for up to two years um but it's like you can't like once a book's published you can't be like oh can you withdraw me from that it's not how it works yeah so like the, yeah there must be there must be more legal kind of like there must be a stronger almost legal backdrop to doing that for books i'm guessing I mean that again. It's that whole, you know, the terms at the front, which is you know, any resemblance is coincidental. So that you can yeah. turn around and say, "Well, that's not actually me. It's just my yeah. name." Or it's you know, some people chose a fictional name, but they wanted certain characteristic, or they you know, they chose their own. Like a lot of people use their online handle. Yeah. Um, and, but I have had people interestingly, they um, including my illustrator, um, legally changed their name, hmm. and um. It was a case of, you know, some people reached out saying, you know, if you're doing any further books, could you do this for the next book? Could you change the name in, in the forward or whatever and or change mm. the name of the illustrator? I went the extra mile. I'm actually in the process of changing some of the names for the current prints. Oh, cool. um, just because I can, because I have to update some stuff anyway. 
But if mm. I wasn't updating those things, I wouldn't be able to do that because it's, it co- every time you update these things, it costs money. You have to yeah. pay to have your, your files redistributed and the processing and everything else. Um, mm. But I went back through and I'm editing. My, my illustrator's name is now Rai. Um, so if anyone, if you've, if you've got a book that was previously illustrated by Jen Hickman, hold on to it because it's about to become very rare. <laughs> um, but, That's uh, cool, though. The, the, the new stuff is going to be under a different name. And I also had some people that were... Patreon supporters, they're like, oh, I'm changing my name. Um, and there were some people that, um, for the hardback, they, I was able to get their name change in for the hardback release, though not for the cool. current paperbacks, though I will be updating the paperbacks as well, because I have to update other files. But um, it was it's one of those things where, you know, legally it costs a lot of money to change things. So if yeah. someone turned to me and said, I want my character removed, Ah, it, it's several hundred dollars for me to go yeah. through that process. So but, it's that kind of like, yeah. Um, when people when people sign up, I'm like, you you realize this is not supposed to be about you. It's the support for this and blah blah blah. And it, it, it but there are some people who I know, um, who you know, there's a romance author who's notorious for writing about her current relationships, and then when they go shit, she murders the guy. Like the guy, like one of the one of the characters, the the main romance people just got hit by a bus or something. Fuck like, oh, that's yeah. a fun, that's a fun way to find out that relationship's over. <laughs> but I'm going, you know, you shouldn't be basing characters directly on people. Yeah. Um, because of that, because it can end up being well, this they've made me into the villain. That slander. You yeah. Know? Um. I feel like it also runs the risk of like. <sighs> I know, I know obviously there, there will be like characters that are very much wholly made from like someone's interest or you are that character in my mind and I based everything about that character for you, but it must be kind of like mm-hmm. limiting to an extent. Cause like, let's say you were to write me as a character, for example, like you would yeah. be limited in what you would have me do and yeah. how I behave just based on only your interaction with me. So mm-hmm. Like, there, I suppose there's got to be that, like, even if it, even if it was like sixty percent based on an individual, you still need that forty percent where you're allowed to kind of wander and make it different. Uh, otherwise, I feel like you'd get really quite stilted characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like everyone in the fucking Watcher, um, yeah. don't watch the Watcher. Don't watch it. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't become. Don't, 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 you, you suffered, so you don't have to. It's like um, don't don't become a watcher of the watcher. <laughs> we had to say it once gosh, this episode. It's like sorry, I've realised that my my auto framing camera is really following me about. You're all just over the dancing. Show. I am fucking all over the place. I'm turning it off. That's, I'm sorry. That's why I don't like, have auto I, the auto yeah, track on because I, I move too much. <laughs> but every every everyone said that it looked way better in like a previous stream. They were like, "Oh, the auto framing is really good because it like it looks a lot more cinematic and it's like it's closer." It it, it, it looks dreadful. I move I move around too much. It's it's over. Sorry, everyone. Sorry for those of you who've been thrown off by me fucking bobbing around for <laughs> the better part of an hour and 50 minutes at this point. And if you're listening on Spotify, you're grand. You don't have to see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, like, just kind of building it back to, like, the whole true crime thing, I, I went through a phase of really liking the kind of unsolved mystery stuff. Like yeah, I, I think still do. there's there's a there's a whole bunch of like legacy 
like legacy mysteries that are really really interesting like i still find i think there's like one called the hinter kaifect murderers that is like it's a it's a really really creepy story about like a a fucking german village or something something like that you know it's like way way back it's it's like on a farm or whatever um like you know kind of 1800s or something like that i i don't know yeah the remote farm one like it's, it's, it's a dead creepy one that was like one of the first ones that i read it was really interesting um but like see that like the modern stuff that covers like you know fucking crimes from like either current crimes or crimes that have been in the past like five years like even fucking 10 years you know it's like i, I don't i I don't necessarily agree with the Ted the Bundy is, or the Dama the the ones. Legal, the way the legal system works, crimes that are dated within the last five to ten years could still be going to trial. Yeah. And to me, that if it's still an ongoing trial situation, I don't think it should be getting covered. Just because it could influence things, it could influence public opinion. It could, you know, it to me, it's a very tricky thing, and I don't think people realise that court proceedings can take a very long time. And then, um, I'm trying to remember what what actually kicked it all off on Netflix. Was it that making of a murderer one? Probably. I, I think I think um, that was the one. I, I'm the, I'm so glad I didn't watch that because I remember so many people talking about it, and I thought all of you are fucking insufferable. Um, like I I I didn't I, like I didn't enjoy that whole whole thing and i think i've just i've been i've been vehemently anti uh like netflix docu-series dramatizations since that to be honest there was that um the anna what's her name the the heiress scammer and uh, yeah inventing anna inventing and anna did they not um, did they not give her money to, they did like, a did lot they, of money. They, like they, they, they paid her for the rights to the story, which I think she was then able to use to partly pay back the fine that she was given. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm, I can't say for certain whether that was the case, but it's like if if she was fined for you know defrauding people, you know, like I, I find that they try and um, like I, I'm. I've heard that, like in the series, like they try and almost spin it as a kind of Robin Hood type person. That like all the all the people she was defrauding were rich anyway. Well, but it's like, well, yeah, that she used to become rich. That's not how Robin Hood. Is, yes, <laughs> it's like not Robin Hood at all. Um, but yeah, the like, I I don't know. I I find Netflix is hard on for a bunch of like based on real crime stuff at the moment is like. To be honest, it, it makes me want to cancel my Netflix subscription because there's 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 yeah. not much good on it anyway. I think the last thing I watched on it was the the cyberpunk edge runner thing, which was fine. Um, it is repeatedly good animation. The Witcher, that's pretty. The, much, yeah. that's pretty <laughs> the, 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 the Witcher, as opposed yeah. to the Watcher. Um, yeah, um, but but it's Netflix really really. I mean, I've also seen it on Hulu. But obviously, Hulu stream from other platforms. It's not just Hulu Productions, mm. but um. The true crime stuff is a huge money maker. Yeah, it yeah. is a huge money maker, and the reason it's a huge money maker is because people watch it. Because we're more, we're a morbidly curious species. Yeah, let's be real. We 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 love mysteries and drama, but you know, you could it it's cheaper than making fictional stuff because you don't have to pay rooms full of writers to come up with a world, a crime. Yeah, it's it's a very cheap way mm. of making money and making drama. 
and it's it's exploitative it is and it goes back to them not being willing to pay writers it goes back to writers unions saying well we want to do this you know murder mystery show um and it's like okay well how much will that cost no okay well we can do a true crime series for half that and (laughs) it's um i was like (laughs) capitalism who would have thought um Uh, we are actually but, uh, mandated to say that once per episode. We are. It, it is the, the only reason we don't get cancelled. Um, <laughs> but it's the it's very just kind of, I don't know, it feels very skeevy. It yeah. feels very kind of a commitment to doing the low-cost thing that creates the most amount of drama. And yeah. it bugs me. It does, I mean, fair dudes, if anyone listening or watching does enjoy these things, more power to you is not my thing. Crack but on. I would urge people to. I would urge people to think about People that are being exploited in this case. It's not just the families, it's also like they're using it to get around yeah. actually creating good content. They're using it so they don't have to write murder she wrote. You know, they're 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 using it as a way of generating cheap entertainment. Yeah. And I it's think, Netflix. They don't need cheap entertainment. Yeah, they've know? got them they've got the money to invest in good stuff. Um one of the other things and one of the other I don't want to say excuses, but like I did see a kind of pushback against you know, people who were saying don't watch the Dammer series because the family are, you know, pushing back against it and they didn't want this to happen. Um, they were saying, well, I live in a capitalist nightmare and I want to be entertained, was their pushback. It was like, I want to watch this series for entertainment because my life is shit and I have to, I, you know, I have to work in a capitalist system, therefore I want cheap entertainment that is at the expense of the victims families and to me, that it is gross that is yeah that's megan <laughs> i it's when people like i get people saying to me well we live in a capitalist society therefore i should be able to read your book and this was when the amazon was actively taking the refunds from mm. from me from my bank account and I was like, I cool, and I'm disabled, and I can't afford. I also live in the same society as you, and I can't afford to have my work exploited. Um, obviously, not as dramatic as what goes on with the families, but it's a very hyper individual sense of, sense of entitlement to. I want to numb the world, and so do I. <laughs> I don't want to be. I, I want to be numbed in the world too, but I also still have a shred of humanity in that I don't want it to be at the expense of others. Mm. Um, you know, I, I will happily wait longer. I will pay more for video games if people are not getting crunched. I will wait for books if it means the author is doing getting work done. I you know it, it to me it is very, people have no concept of other people's suffering. And it's weird. It's really, really weird for me to see that. Um, and people saying, "What's well, um, it's how I get you know cope with the world." Cool. How about we try and band together to make it better? Like that's yeah. You know, like you, we're encouraging bad behavior at this point because we want escapism. Escapism used to mean you know watching Doctor Who or whatever <laughs> murder she wrote or you know all you know fiction. Escapism yeah. should be fiction. It should not be the exploitation of people that went through these traumatic things. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, to be honest, I, I, there's, yeah, I just... there's, that's yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Don't be a dick. Um, right? No, I think like <laughs> what we've what we've tried to do in this is obviously talk about how dreadful the Watcher series is. But I think like 
looking at the watcher it's kind of like unearthed um some some rather deep-seated feelings uh for ourselves yeah. in regards to like the actual it's almost like a true crime industry at this point and i mean it is an industry, it is an industry. and it's one that should pivot to respect the victims more um and yeah there's not really much more we can add to that um also netflix stop making really shitty series thank you um <laughs> i've just realized that mothman has put holly mops ears and pigtails in the background for anyone <laughs> watching and uh, you can now look at the screen you can see her being very pistols <laughs> <laughs> top tier content um right so i think this is probably a good time to wrap up the podcast um for those of you who are watching the stream uh, it will sound like we're wrapping it up uh we say this at the end of every episode we will still be here uh, and we'll chat to you for you know 10 15 minutes afterwards um, but for those of you who are listening um you can obviously join the stream um at eight o'clock bst uh joy what's the time for you uh, 2 p.m u.s central 2 p.m u.s central um every sunday um and we'll uh, see you next time um, yeah see you have a good you. week have a good one folks see you later bye bye bye